Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't like pinpoint exactly when that's happened or what show, but I definitely know that I've experienced that. Also with old songs that I just didn't know as well, and they played it live for the first time for my for me. Mm. Hearing it for the first time, I'm like, what is this? Yeah, no, there's there's a, there's a lot of ways to like quickly fall in love at like first listen with something and oh hey hi uh welcome to our record store i'm seth and this is tara uh feel free to look around and uh just give us a shout uh, if you need anything um th- i remember one time in, in particular that happened to me where i was at an animal collective show and they this was on the feels tour and they started playing some songs from strawberry jam in particular the song fireworks when i heard it i was like oh shit this is new like you're hitting me with something brand new and i'm hearing it and i'm really really happy right now and oh look who's here it's jeremy avalon hello hey, jeremy. what's going on guys how hey. you doing uh doing great how are you doing today sir I'm cool, man. I, I stopped in the store. You know, it's that time of year where everybody has love on their mind and, and everything. So I'm looking for some records I can instantly fall in love with. You know, oh. that's, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm here for today. I, I love it. That, that, that's what we're talking about. We're feeling that. Uh, now we're about to play the high fidelity game because we always do around here. Uh, Tara, I don't remember who went first last time. Me or you? Mm, I think. I think it was you, actually. Well, no. then it must be yeah, your turn. Yeah, it was you. It, yeah, it was your turn. Excellent. Or, yeah, it was yours last time first. Yes. Well, then, Tara, it's your turn today. <laughs> All uh, right. But before we get started, like, Jeremy, is there anything you want to, like, I don't know, like, like, I'm curious about what you're up to these days. What's 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 your latest thing? What's your, uh, what's your vibe? What are you up to? So nowadays, you know, since we're not on the road anymore, uh, no more concerts, no more tours, so... I am in the Twitch world, kind of. That is where I exist. <laughs> I love the Twitch Currently, world. Yeah, Twitch world is cool. Um, it's it's really cool because it's the one. It's this time in my life I've kind of always waited for. Like now, I can always play whatever I really like the most, all the time. So like, I don't think so. From now on, this is all I'm doing. Even like when we eventually transition to being able to play out gigs out and everything, I'm only doing stuff like this. Like I'm spoiled now. This is it. Me too. I can so relate. Yeah, I've been playing like way more like techno and just weird. Like not that techno is weird, but like weirder things than I would play in the club that I'm used to. So it's it's been so fun for me too. Um, Yeah, I guess. Uh, Seth, Jeremy is a DJ, as we kind of can guess from the whole Twitch conversation, but music producer and plays guitar. Or you probably play other instruments too, I would imagine. I, I'll just, I'll play, I'll, I'll mess around with that. Yeah, <laughs> I mess around, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the best way to be a musician is the, like right. having that curiosity that, you know, if you get your hands on a saxophone for the first time, you're like, huh, what are what noises I can make exactly. out of this thing? You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I can at I, least I get just, a loop out of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a youngest child and, you know, I was alone a lot, you know, so I kind of like really love like people like Prince and like Lenny Kravitz and, and uh, you know, people who play all the instruments by themselves like all that really that was my thing because you know that's kind of a loner thing to do anyway yeah. so i really like that so that's why there's a, a certain satisfaction that. about like being the person who does everything in your own project that you never have to wait on anyone else you know you don't right. you don't need you know your flake of a drummer who's never going to show up on time <laughs> you can just exactly. do it yourself yeah <laughs> makes me happy yeah man <laughs> 
I understand that because I I mean from being in a band you know how this is Tara from being in bands like there's always like whenever you need a keyboard player there's none in the city they don't exist (laughs) (laughs) just do it yourself you you have to do it yourself you know Uh, so yeah so today we're talking about things that you listen to them and you love it the first time you listen Tara you're going first hit us with it you got a little stack of records there i I, want to hear what your take is on this because i feel like there can be many interpretations of how these albums can be introduced to you for the first time how you can fall in love that first time like 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 i I don't know i'm curious how both of you are going to handle this let's uh yeah it's an it's definitely an interesting prompt for this high fidelity game because i feel like a lot of the things that albums songs even that i've fell in love with at first listen, I feel like I've mentioned so many of those uh, in past High Fidelity games. So for this one, I kind of did it a little differently. Um, I just kind of went with whatever popped into my mind first as something that I remember hearing for the first time and really loving hmm. um, albums. So, and I tried to not repeat things from previous games because I don't want to be, you know, that predictable person, although I feel like I kind of am. It's not (laughs) going to be a shock, I don't think. Um, But yeah, so I just, I try to think, okay, first, the first ones that pop into my mind, they have to mean something to me. So I'm going to go with that. And, and I came up with a list and I came up with some extras, but those ones that, you know, I thought of first, those are the top five. So, Mm. all right. So let's start with number five. That is from 2013. Melody's Echo Chamber. These are, I didn't expect to hear Melody's Echo Chamber. This is amazing. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Melody's Echo Chamber, self-titled. And it was her first, I guess, debut album as Melody's Echo Chamber, which was, you know, I guess, co-produced with uh, Kevin Parker from Tame Impala. Um, she had another band. It was My Bees Garden, and they supported Tame Impala on tour, I think. is that I think that's how they kind of like met, maybe fell in love, because I know they were together for a while. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he helped her with this album, and it's, it's so good. It's one of my favorites. Um, it kind of has like a dream pop vibe. It reminds me of something that I call, I don't know if this is a real genre, but I call it retro futurism. That's like, you know, sounds vintagey, but it's still kind of modern, like right. broadcast or it, something like, like that. I call it Tumblr music. You know? <laughs> like all, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the cool images from Tumblr, like in a sound. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's so funny. It's funny that you said broadcast too, because Melody's Echo Chamber definitely reminds me of like, okay, we don't get any new broadcast, but Melody's Echo Chamber kind of sounds like new broadcast, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you kind of have the sweet sort of dream poppy vocals and then, yeah, those sort of analog sounds. Yeah, and it's kind uh, of lethargic, little... but upbeat. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit more psychedelic just because, you know, Kevin Parker, but mm-hmm. still really good. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, so that's number five. Number four, uh, Caliucci's Isolation from 2018. And everybody's hurting, everybody's going through it. But you just can't give up now, cause you got... 
I hope I'm saying that right. I've never known either. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those words I, you see written down. <laughs> I, I butcher her name constantly. I'm like Cali Yukis. Cali. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's 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 as close as I got. I just I just I just admire her um her videos. They're really yeah, dope. Yeah. She's. I mean, man, that album. I honestly had never heard of her before. Oh, that's another rule I threw to myself is that these are albums who I never heard of them before. And then when I heard them, the albums, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, so it couldn't be any artist that I had ever heard before. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so yeah, that, this yes. was your introduction, not just to this album, but also to the artist right. through this album. Gotcha. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, I had never really heard anything else by her. Um, And so when I saw, you know, this was like new release back in 2018, I was like, let me give this a listen. And it is so good. And it just covers so many genres. There's, you know, sort of like, oh, there's a Latin flair on a song. There's pop songs, there's R&B songs, hip hop elements, psychedelic elements. Kevin Parker, again, like touched a song on this album. Wow. Um, Yeah. And it's, but it doesn't feel all over the place, you know, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. very cohesive and really, it's just really good to listen to all the way through. Um, And, uh, Oh yeah. And it just includes a bunch of really awesome people too, like Georgia Smith, Tyler, the creator, Bootsy Collins, just, yeah, it's just stacked with amazing artists featured on her album. It's really good. Highly recommend. (laughs) So yeah, immediate fan after hearing the album. Totally into it. Great choice. Very cool. Um, Okay. So yeah, number three, we're flying through this. Um, Number three is from 2013, King Cruel. Six feet beneath the moon. Well, easy, easy. There's no need to tell Yeah, I had never heard him before. Um, and this album came out 2013. And I was just like, what is this? I found out that he was a teenager. He was only 19 when this album came out. Um, and learned that he was pretty inspired by kind of the music that he was brother, his brother was listening to, which is a lot of jazz and hip hop. And he was really into punk music. So it, you kind of get all those layers in this, in his album as well, but, but totally different from yeah. that. Like it's not jazz at all. It's not hip hop at all. It's not punk at all, but you can, you can definitely hear the influences of all of those um, genres that he's been inspired by. But yeah, I was totally blown away by this young kid and it just seems so deep and sort of, emotionally mature he's just singing about you know like being alone and stuff and apparently his godfather was one of the drummers like a former drummer of aztec camera which is crazy oh wow that's interesting and and, yeah. and, and you're right too i remember the first time i i also heard king cruel being blown away by just being like oh wow this is a new sound and hearing a new sound at all is always really rare so hearing it is always just memorable and then being blown away again the first time i saw a picture of him and it's like holy shit that's not what i was picturing at all he's this little red-haired kid real scrawny he's got like i, I don't know it, it's not what i expected <laughs> yeah. now it's yeah. mirrored or like um married together like now mm-hmm. i only think of archie when he's singing because yeah. now he is that voice but I remember the first time seeing that picture, that little scrawny redhead and being like, who is this 12 year old? Like, what what yeah. is happening here? You know, 
And he, he's so kind of good. grizzled a little bit over the years, too. Like, I feel like his yeah. image is starting to match his voice a little bit better. He's a dad now, so yeah. he's going to just start aging rapidly. No, I'm I just feel kidding. like I also, <laughs> I think at the last time I saw him, a picture of him, he also had like a full grill in, too. What? Really? I, I, maybe it was just for the photo I'll have to shoots. Google that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that image and it was weird. <laughs> Jeremy, do you know King yeah. Cruel? I or am Ar- not familiar. You oh got to put me on. You would lo- I feel like you'd love it. I mean, He's I think really everyone good. has to love King Cruel. Like, I think, yeah, I, yeah. It's, and doesn't I feel like, he? Oh, sorry. Sorry, we keep oh, cutting you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like right right now there's like so there's more probably there's the best music now than there's probably ever been because there's so much music. Yeah. But it's so hard to find. And like the older I get, I'm like I used to be like the cool hip kid that knew like that listened to Tricky and like you know <laughs> yes. cool stuff like that. It, but now I'm not like I'm totally out the loop out of a lot of cool stuff that I would normally be <laughs> hip to. So it's, it's kind of bothering me. Like, and I'm hearing some stuff. I'm like, man, I got to look that up. I got to look that up. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I wouldn't say it's much of a stretch to say that this is a very trip hop sound as well. Yeah. yeah. But now that you mentioned Tricky bec- and, and it's kind of that same, like he has a very low sort of croony voice. Um, and then, yeah, there's some <clears throat> sort of hip hop, almost elements in it with the drums um, and those sort of jazzy elements. So, yeah. It's almost like in my head, I would call it blues post-punk. Oh. But if someone else called it yeah. any other genre title, I would believe it. Because he, he he is kind of outside of every genre because he's kind yeah. of everything at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. He's, good. he's great. Yeah, I, I, he's I great. bet everyone who heard King Cruel for the first time has like an, has like a, the same like, oh, shit right. kind of story, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I felt that same way with um, Bad, Bad, Not Good. Like, I feel yeah. like and he, yeah, okay. he's worked right with on. them kind mm-hmm. of that same vibe ish sort of. Yeah. yeah All right. So adding now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, add that to your shopping list and pick up a copy on your way yes, up. <laughs> um, all right, so number two from 2004. Oh, actually, all of these are from the sort of early 2000s, it seems like. Um, all right, so yeah, two, from 2004, Sebastian Tellier, Politics. This one, so I had an ex-boyfriend who used to listen to this all the time. And when I first heard it, I was like, what is this? I feel like I had never heard anything like it. Um, He's another crooner, just lovely voice. Why does he make me think of Leonard Cohen? I'm not quite sure, Mm. but he kind of does. But sings better than Leonard Cohen, right? for sure. (laughs) Um, But it reminds me of him. Another multi-instrumentalist. I think when I first heard it too, he, him being a French man and I was kind of obsessed with French culture at the time, wanted to be Jane Birkin, and had bangs <laughs> and all that. Yeah. I don't know. It just appealed to me. And, and again, it's like nothing I had ever heard before. I mean, that's not a bad um, goal. We, 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 we could all be a little more Jane Birkin in our lives and we'd, we'd be all right. You know, <laughs> you, um, you said they were from France, right? Yeah. He's from France. Yeah. So is this during the, um, what was the. Is it uh, is it their name Royce Hop the the Geico mm. commercial people is that around right. that same time? Oh, Royce Hop. Uh, no, Royce Hop. But no, but that yeah. was definitely in that whole like trip hop era. I would say okay. Royce Hop was. But oh, I mean, I don't know what 
year that song came out. Um, but I know what you're talking about. So I'm thinking that's like around 2002, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Sebastian Tellier did definitely work with uh, Ed Banger Records. And he, okay. I think, did a soundtrack for like a movie or something with Miss, for Mr. Oizo, who was on Ed Banger Records, which is all of that, you know, like um, like Daft Punk and Stardust and all of like DJ Meddy, all of those Ed Banger people, Sebastian uh, and not Sebastian Tellier, but, but the, the, the electro, French electro Sebastian. Um, yeah, I think it's around that same time. But the one song is it's called La Ritournelle. Um, definitely not pronouncing that as I should. I'm not French and it's very hard to pronounce. Uh, but uh, it's probably like the most, most romantic song I've ever heard in my entire life. And Tony Allen is on it from Fela Kuti's band, the mm, drummer. Yeah. So good. Love it. Digging it. Do you, you know this one, Seth? I feel like... I may be wrong about this. I think this is one of the artists that you introduced me to back when we were oh. like first meeting. And I think it was like on one of your lists of like the best of the year and I hadn't heard of it. So I, I bought it afterwards. Hmm. That's the image in my head. But then again, that's a lot of artists. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if this one is actually in that camp or not. But um, I don't. Yeah. Well, the, I think his last album that I liked was probably only a few years after this one. So I don't think it's very recent. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I definitely know this artist. And I, for yeah. some reason in my head, I associate him with you. So that's all I can say. <laughs> that's cool. I will take that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're down to number one. And um, honestly, like this is a really good one. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be like, oh. Um, it is from 2014. Taylor McFerrin. Early riser. Yeah, so I actually heard one of his songs on uh, the college radio station here um, back when it was still WRAS and you could hear it on your car radio and it wasn't Georgia Public Broadcasting. Again, Um, the duplicate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the duplicate. and I was like, oh, this is cool. What is this? You know, and like Shazam did or whatever. And then I went back and listened to the entire album. And it's so good. It's Bobby McFerrin's son. Um, and it, it's just so good. It's kind of jazzy, as you would think. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of R&B as well. I don't know. It's it's soulful. It's really good. I, I, I haven't heard about this at all. Um, really? Well, I mean, obviously, I know who Bobby McFerrin is. Don't worry. Be happy. Right. But uh, so his kid, I presume his kid is what, in his 30s or something? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Younger? Maybe. Yeah, okay. maybe. So, he has so, a daughter, too. She may be older, though. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? So have you? Have you heard about Bobby McFerrin's kid before? Yeah. So I remember the buzz when um, Taylor McFerrin came out and I heard from what I heard, the music was incredible. But he's one of those artists for me um, that there was a lot of really good music around that time. And he's Mm -hmm. just somebody that I didn't get around to. And I feel bad that I that I haven't. But the positive thing is I can go back and check out his catalog now. But he's one of those that one of these great artists that come out at the same time as a lot of other great artists. And you just kind of have to pick who you're going to spend your time with. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you miss it. And then you and hear it for the, and you hear yeah. it for the first time again later. Um, and, and you have one of these moments and you're going to like note it for next time. <laughs> That's a big reason why I love playing this game though, is that 
artists that you have just kind of like relegated to the back of your mind of just like, oh, I'll catch up with them later. And then you hear someone else say it again. You're like, fine, I'll go go listen now. If Tara thinks it's number one worthy, I guess I have to go listen to this now. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the album, so it was uh, released on uh, Lang Lotus's label. And he's also part of this um, super group. And I can't remember who's in it, but it's R plus R equals now or R and R equals now. Hmm. Saw them at um, Variety Playhouse. I'm trying to remember like who's in it and I can't, and I don't know who's in it, but it's, it was so good. And anyways, they have an album on Blue Note Records. So, you know, it's good. (laughs) Absolutely. but yeah, highly recommend. So that's that's cool. my list. I don't know. It's all kind of spontaneous and like maybe not as popular, but also I just, I know I love these albums just from first listen, you know, like they're all different and they're all unique and yeah. I love it. I hope. Yeah. No, this gives me some homework. I can't wait to go uh, yeah. listen to some of these and it's going to be cool because in particular you're number one. I'm going to get to listen to that for the first time with fresh ears and it's going to hit me yeah. for the first time the, the same way it hits everyone for the first time. So that's going to be fun. I hope that you feel the same way when you do hear it. <laughs> Lots of uh, Spotify saves. Yeah. Yay. For sure. <laughs> Actually, Taylor, that Taylor McFerrin album is like one of my favorite to listen to in the morning. It's just very soothing. Hmm. Soothes the soul. Nice. Well, uh, that wraps it up for the first go, but uh, Jeremy, it's going to be your turn. So uh, let's take a quick little break. Everyone can get some coffee, smoke a cigarette, do whatever they got to do. Jeremy, you gather up your records. We'll come back and then you'll go through your top five. Let's do it. fidelity game we're doing top five love at first listen the kind of albums that the first time you hear a single note from it you're like who is this what is this i love this you know and uh our our customer jeremy avalon you you're up next Uh, hit us with your number five i wanted to think of times in your life that like you reminisce on that are melodramatic Mm. you know uh, your own personal kind of Degrassi kind of <laughs> memories, you know? So, uh, like, things in your life that spark those kind of, you know, feelings. Yeah. And, like, albums that go along with that. So that's kind of, that was kind of my thought process. And things that, when I first listened to them, they were just the greatest ever. So this is a controversial topic in R&B <laughs> for me. So um, I will say this. This is a hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> today and any day after this um is hearsay by alexander o'neill it is the greatest creation by jimmy jam and terry lewis in the entire 80s Yes, better than control. I'm sorry. Yes, better. <laughs> yes, better than any heartbreak. I'm sorry. It is the greatest. It is R&B personified, like in the dictionary, the crooner, the man in the suit, you know, um, the guy with the, you know, 
the suit and tie, you know, the clean, the Stacey Adams, the quintessential R&B uh, song man, ballad man, who could, you know, have a few, you know, dance numbers, but he's the guy you, who has songs for your reception and your ceremony, you know? Yeah. So that's that's who I've been going for, um, Alexander O'Neill. I mean, I mean say. that's also like the... Um like the definitional time too, like like, like when exactly. you're going through like the timeline of like when R and B sounded like at its like uh, yeah. it, it's it's hard to go when it's like hey all the elements that you think of in your mind that like define R and B they're all right there and they all kind they're of like gelled at that moment in time and people then just kind of started like borrowing from it and doing its thing and that's cool because like time does that but it, it is kind of fun to like pick that moment and go and there's that like stereotypical all the pieces came together r&b go you know and uh, exactly. I, I think that is that which is pretty cool i i think is it is the and it's also one of the first albums with skits right um, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And it is, it's, it's like a it's like an audio book you right. know <laughs> but and i also have this theory about alexander o'neill um so follow me on this right <laughs> so i feel like the Morris Day character, mm -hmm. right, that Prince and Morris made up is them making fun of Alexander O'Neill. Because huh. if you no think way. about it, Morris Day acts like a caricature of how Alexander O'Neill actually acts. You know, that makes sense know. in my head. I, 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 and he I, was I, the original singer for the time, so. I'm going to call that canon. I mean, <laughs> why not? <laughs> right. I don't know how he acts, so I guess I, I'm going to trust you on that. But I'm. it's so funny because it's last time I talked to you about, like, making lists or whatever, like, top five bridge, your favorite bridges. And you were like, it'd be all Alexander O'Neill. <laughs> so I'm not surprised you have this on your list. Yeah. So it is. it is, like, the greatest out i feel like it is the greatest r&b like if you want to just say basic r&b like no new jack swing <laughs> mm -hmm. no funk no disco really you know none of that no hip-hop added to it like ballads mid-tempos you know party songs you know songs about cheating songs about <laughs> missing someone you know the all the r&b elements um, even though he didn't write that, I mean, I think that that was the the best Jam and Lewis like production. Like, yeah, it, that was their perfect album, like pure and uncut, uncut. You know, and it's kind of funny that he was he was a lot bigger in the UK than than in America. Oh, but that's um, interesting. Wonder yeah. why? Yeah, I don't know. They some I don't know. It's just like the UK. Just some artists just take off there. Yeah. Hmm. So I sure. mean, he did. He did. You know, he sold out Wembley. I mean, that's that's unheard of, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I was awesome. Yeah. Dig it. So let's see, number four. And so I'm going with the Jay Dilla album. Yeah. And I saw um, Slum Village Fantastic Volume Two. Uh, one of the musical priests we formed the miracle. Voltron, hypocrites get slapped upon in the combat. Don't you come back and take your back, your sword in the spiritual warfare. And that is the album that I've I fell in love with immediately needle drop. So little backstory um, here in Atlanta, there was a record shop called fat beats. I've, there was some in, in a few cities, there was a fat beats in New York and a fat beats in LA, but we had a fat beats in Atlanta and it was on Mitchell street and it was upstairs. So I was a big uh, J well, mostly known as JD back then. So I was 
Uh, I feel like for a lot of us, like kind of backpacker kids, we were always on a quest to find anything Slum Village, the Uma, Q-Tip, any 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 of those guys like Pete Rock. We we wanted all. It was like collecting Dragon Balls. You know right? I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I heard Dilla, it was just it changed. It just it really changed my life. You like you see those T-shirts. Jay, Jay Dilla, Dilla changed, changed my, my life. life. Yeah, nah, yeah. Um, it's it's real. It really did. So. Totally. There was um, a pretty young lady uh, from Puerto Rico that used to work there um, at the at the counter at Fat Beats, and she's like, "Yo, the Slum Village album comes out next week. We just got the single in, mm. uh, one of the singles in." And um, I, I heard players, and I'd heard you know get this money from Office Space, which is another, which is a great, amazing soundtrack. So, yeah, yeah, Office Space. So. Um, <laughs> And and get this money was on that. So, I remember going up to uh, up the stairs, and um, she takes it out, puts it on the turntable, and then she plays climax, and that song blew my mind. And like, when you hear the loop, if you listen to climax all the way through, I mean, it's one of those songs that like, you know, head bobber, like the the you know the sexiest slowest head bobbing song that there is like the boom bappiest you know kind of bonita apple bum of mm -hmm. 2000 and uh well 2000 kind of vibe you know so when um when when that song ended and i just heard the loop at the the end i'm like he flipped i'll be sure <laughs> night and day <laughs> into the dopest hip hop record <laughs> ever made pretty much I like I've heard today at least or but it blew my mind and um it just put me back because uh I'll be sure is like the first person I saw in concert growing up so wow and, 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 that's know, that, cool yeah. that's awesome so like it just blew it blew my mind that like out of this little loop from I'll be sure night and day he made this like incredible song so it that just shows like Dilla was just the the genius of geniuses. Yeah, he's the Thelonious Monk of hip hop. Yeah, me. that's what yeah. I, I think that's a great way yeah. to describe him. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. also funny too because like we've talked about this with other artists too. He was like the secret weapon for the longest time. And then he barely got to be his own person out there in like the fucking spotlight before right. he died. Mm -hmm. Like he had the briefest time of him being himself, you know, like right. for the longest time, he was the guy behind the scenes making everyone else shine. Yeah. And the second he finally got like all the recognition, all the fame, all the everything, then his, you know, his blood disease and all that stuff kicked in. It's, it's the saddest right. thing, but uh, at least he left us with so much music. That's, that's the bright side of, of Dilla, you know, and no, he's, he's one of the greatest. The amazing thing about Dilla to me also is that Dilla can influence like one of my other favorite artists to change their entire style and make an album totally different. And mm -hmm. that's D'Angelo. So I feel like, um, a lot, not many artists can say they they've done that. I think about joy, um, in her album, I think, was it pendulum uh, amoeba syndrome? I, I could be wrong. I'm so sorry. Cause this is <laughs> one of my favorite albums. Yeah. I'm sorry, joy, <laughs> but like, joy when she came out with that album it caused madonna to just like nah i have to change everything right uh, like and then she you know i just have to change my entire style now because yeah. this amazing album is out so i feel like when d'angelo made voodoo 
that's because he heard Dilla like on a beat taper. He heard the the Far Side album, and he was just like, "I have to change my entire style now." So, yeah, for sure. Not many, yeah, not many people can do that. So that's, definitely, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that. That I guess that the timeline sort of played out like that. I never even really considered that. That's cool. Because if you listen to Janet Jackson, Got Till It's Gone, for like example, you know, mm-hmm. there's no way in the world t- uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis made that. You know? <laughs> yeah. it's, that, is, that is the most A Tribe Called Quest Dilla yeah. beat of all time, you know? Like, yeah. If you think of Dilla, it's the Janet Jackson, Got Till It's Gone. And um, so, you know, that's, he's, he, I mean, he worked with, he did songs with so many people in like, like you said, Ghost produced so much stuff that um, he's just in the fabric of music. And I think a lot of times, you know, people, um, when you can um, change the, like, tempo and timing in music, mm-hmm. I think that, like, marks great artists like James Brown's uh, Sense of Timing to Timbaland to Prince to, I think when you change the way people's drum drumming is, it's, you're a real genius. Yeah. yeah. And it's also funny too because like when you go to like the real like base definition of most genres, the beat really is the root of it. Think about like samba versus waltz versus right. anything. Like like th- like like you can usually describe the the beat of the genre first before you can you can talk about anything else. You know, right. like like for me, when I'm describing trap, the first thing I describe is a closed um hi-hat. <laughs> like that's the first sound I think of. And you could say that for for tons of genres, time signature versus the actual. Anyway, we we all get it. We're all saying the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Just just on on a little DJ nerd tangent. I remember when um, Trinidad James all go everything came out, and um, I I I forget which record pool I had, and it came through and it said like fifty BPMs. Right. I'm like fifty BPMs, like. <laughs> What do you have? You can't. Right. What do you have that mixes? Yeah. What, what am I supposed to play? Jodeci like up under <laughs> this or something? Like, yeah. Yeah. Was, That's the time when you do the you know record spin like backward spin. <laughs> bust in the new. Bust in the new track. <laughs> yeah, it was automatic drops on that. Yeah. One. <laughs> nice. So that was your number four, right? That was my number four. Cool, cool. Sorry, Man, was, these are huge, epic. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm a little long-winded on these. No, 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 no. We we want long-winded. <laughs> yeah. We want stories. We want talking. That's we we got to spend the whole day here. The only way we can keep ourselves entertained <laughs> is uh, listening to records and talking to our customers. Okay, so this one, um, you remember the store? You remember the store Media Play? If you, you remember Media Play, I remember Media Plays. It, it was a chain, wasn't it? It was a chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Media Play was like the, the, it was like Best Buy, but it had CDs and it had like band t-shirts. Like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It was like, it was kind of like Sam Ash or like a, not Sam Ash, like a Virgin Store. Sam Goody. Yeah, yeah. Or Camelot Music or something like that. But like a bigger version of a Camelot Music Store. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I I say. So I remember this, this one summer. I'm with a friend of mine. We're at Media Play, and um, I had my first. Uh, was it, did I have a job then? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was still kind of young, so I I had this money for some reason. I don't know how. <laughs> I, so I went to Media Play, and um, I I had just got a new boombox, 
and it was the you know the dual cassette tape yeah. oh yeah joints with the remote the sony ones that had the little square speakers on them. for sure so yeah, yeah. so um I, I i was like yo i got cool i got this new tape deck and i would all play all my t- i would record my uh you know little demos and stupid stuff on this tape deck so Media Play had this some sale or something, and um, I bought three tapes that day. And this is '95, so I'm thinking. Uh, so it was Far Side, Lab Cab, California, mm. the the album with Running, you know, pretty much produced by Dilla. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's the one that had like a drop on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, Rancid, Let's Go. Nice, <laughs> <Very> <laughs> nice. Cr- yeah, and um, the Foo Fighters debut album. So. The Foo Fighters is my number three. The first album with the Ray Gun. Um, it's just, it's the Pete and Pete Degrassi, um, uh, my so-called life, yeah. just part of my life where everything meant way too much totally <laughs> you know totally. you look you look back as an adult and you think yo that was really stupid I, what <laughs> like you look at kids now and you're like wow like you care about the stupidest things like i'm so glad i'm not that age anymore that i you know but it's that one time in your life where every school matters right and the people around you everything just matters so mm-hmm. much so i think about times like that like when I think about that Foo Fighters album, the um the first one. And uh, it was kind of a weird time because, I mean, Kurt Cobain had died like the year before. Um, there was a lot of, it was like Attack of the Clones, you know, as Bush was out. And, um, uh, you know, a few few other bands like that. And um, I, I don't know, I think I was playing, I had just started playing guitar maybe the year or two before that. And, um, you know, it was... It was one of those albums. Well, he kind of princed it too. He it was he played every instrument, played it all by himself. But just from the first vocals, I was like, "This is my favorite album." Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah from the, when the first vocals dropped, so I've worn that tape out. I actually still have the cassette somewhere around here. But, nice. Um, and you know, he had such yeah. an ear for like melody and hooks yeah. and like how to make a chorus really stick in your mind, like from the start. Like I, I definitely remember being a, a Nirvana kid. And then when the Foo Fighters came around being like, what, the fucking drummer? Who gives a shit, you know? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, never mind. We have to pay attention to Dave Grohl now. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the especially the album that came out after that one and then after that, like, it's like, oh, we got to we got to follow this guy. Who knew? You know, like I... I when he was just the drummer in Nirvana, I really didn't think twice about him. But, right, right. But no, but he, he he killed it. I mean, even like the, this, there are some songs on that album that are just kind of like dopey, silly songs that are stuck in mm-hmm. my brain forever. Like like a song right. like "For All the Cows." That song is it's really so silly, but I love but it's it. So it's so good. It's in my mind right now for no reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I, yeah. I love for all the cows for the re- for another nerdy musician reason, just mm-hmm. like learning guitar. And wow, here's a random rock song with jazz chords. Yeah, randomly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it like forced you to learn something else. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to Dave Grohl uh, for all the cows. But just like um, exhausted, I love um, floaty. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, man, Alone in the Easy Target. It's just yeah. it's just one of those albums where like I remember the girl I liked at the time. <laughs> I remember, you know, what like how I used to dress. Like, you know, it's one of those just like I said, it's one of those teenage I I'm, you know, super angsty albums, like periods in my life. And I just associate that album with it. Like, Love it. Hardcore. It's such a it was such a popular album too, and for whatever reason, I always forget about it. But it was so good; I don't know why I always forget about it. I think it was Thanks overshadowed for- slightly by the next album because the color yeah, and the shape was, really blew true. it out of the water when it came to like mainstream recognition because yeah, of uh, Everlong and stuff like that mm-hmm. and Hero. Or is it There Goes it was- My Hero? Or yeah, it can't be Hero. That was the Bowie song. They wouldn't do that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, Everlong that was like used in the Friends show exactly. at the time. So right. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I you're mean, right. And, and I think the thing too, you know, you listen to this, everybody was you know really scrutinizing the lyrics to that first album, like which songs about Kurt, which right. songs about Kurt. And <laughs> I think you know he kind of addressed that probably on the second album, but right. I, you know, it was just a big mystery about what that album was. And I just, I love everything about that album. So shout love out it. to Dave Grohl. That's such a good choice. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. What am I down to? Two? I you're two you're, yeah, you're on number two. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it goes yeah, fast, I, doesn't it? I, yeah, it goes fast and I could go on forever. But I would say <laughs> number two is Illmatic uh, by mm. Nas. It ain't hard to tell. And the reason I, I put Illmatic is because um, it's it's one of those albums where like it's observant. It's it's a kid looking out his window, observing his surroundings, and when you're in an like in a, in a hostile environment, like observation is your only key to survival really you know so for me that was being um you know moving to a new place and and being like a minority in that place and like not and and like watching from afar kind of you know what i mean like so it that was my version of illmatic you know i'm i'm in my window you know people are living life but i've seen so many other things that these people have seen mm-hmm. Of just you know traveled more than these than the people I'm amongst or and like you know just all kind of different just had come from a totally different background than a lot than people I'm around so like you're a force to like observe everything just so you can survive you know so that's how Nas was I feel like you know not really participating in what was going on but just documenting everything you know to keep it to himself and um, so Illmatic, I've I actually have this this ritual <laughs> that I I've listened to Illmatic like on my birthday every year since the seventh grade. I love that. Which, uh, That's so great. Yeah. So it can't, so this is since 1995. So mm-hmm. like every year, whether it's on, I mean, if if I'm at home and and I'll play the vinyl. If I'm out, I'll play, you know, I'll just make sure that that's the first thing I do, because um, it's only 48 minutes. You know, um, it's not a lot of songs. I mean, it was it's technically eight songs mm-hmm. plus that intro, um, but Illmatic. And I, I know a lot of people, I know people, um, 
it's it's debatable. You know, people like the second album better, but I feel like Illmatic to me defines what like '90s New York hip hop, East Coast Timberlands boots. You know, mm-hmm. hop in the turnstile. You know, type hip hop is to me like the boom bap. You know, yeah. DJ Premier, Pete Rock. You know, Les. Like it, that defines. Um, like 90s New York City to me. So, And also speaking of like Love at First Listen, I feel like Illmatic was most of our introduction to Nas, you know? Like there Mm -hmm. were some people who were up on him before that, but I can speak for myself. Like Illmatic was like, oh shit, check out this guy, man. He's a fucking storyteller and I need to follow him now. And and it was funny to me is that like whenever people would talk shit about Latter-day Nas... I'd be like, really? Latter-day Nas is that bad? I got to check this out. And you listen to it, we're like, no, this is great. Y'all are dumb. <laughs> like, right. it, it, I guess when you start off as strong as he did, it's hard to follow that up. But anyone out there in the world who thinks that Nas fell off, buy some Latter-day Nas and you're going to enjoy it just as much. You know, this, this last album, King's Disease, was one of the best albums of 2020. Yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah, just uh, most, any genre, just... It just you can see his growth. You can see um, how he adapts to current sounds, but not giving up. Right. You know the Illmatic nods at all. So that's that's why I love that that King's Disease album, man. For sure. Yeah, man. I love For that sure. you have that as a tradition to listen to the album on your birthday. I feel like I, I now like I'm putting it together, seeing you, you know, post over the years on your birthday, um, and I feel like when I think of you, I think of Nas because I. I think of Nas when I think of you. I think of Prince and Alexander O'Neill. Those are your three. <laughs> like those it. are your I top like three. That's a good representation. I mean, yeah. I think everyone would be proud to have those artists be I'm like, you know, the avatar <laughs> for them. I'm with that. Yeah, I, I'm like, you know, I'm one of those people that nobody knows how old I am, you know? Or like, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty Same. age ambiguous, which I love, you know, which is cool. So and I think Nas is like that. I, I'm just one of those, like like Nas, I probably just started at a really young age and I've, you know, just grown with people. So they'd be like, yeah. oh, he's, you've always been around. <laughs> good way to be. So, yeah, so, so good. That's my number two. Okay, so number one. Drum like, roll. Oh, man, this is rough. This is rough. Because <laughs> I have so many more extra, you know, fill-ins. Oh, and- we'll, we'll get oh, to yeah. the short list at the end. Because, yeah, no, I, I, I've, I, uh, I, I'm sure there are many who are not going to make my list as well. You know, and, and like, I'm, I, like, I really wanted a Radiohead album in here. But, right. Uh, so I'm going to go with something a little more local. I had this friend growing up. His name is Rob Gaddy. Shout out to Rob. Rob was my, um, I, I, he was kind of like Prime Minister Pete Nice from um, from third base. He was the white guy that nobody noticed he was the white guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like, you know, if you see John B in a group of, of like other R&B singers, you're not like, there's a white dude. You're just like, <laughs> Oh, what's up? There's a bunch of R and B singers, you know, and and standing in a row. He's kind of like he's kind of like uh he's got the Bobby Codwell effect, you know. So this is my this is a good friend of mine growing up. Shout out to Rob. So I remember, you know, we used to trade tapes a lot in school. Um, and my family being from the East Coast and me being more of a you know East Coast uh, hip hop head, um, especially at that time, um. 
you know, and, but just trade, but open-minded, you know, listening to all kind of stuff. I mean, I listened to Primus too at that age, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. there's, you know, so there's, I think I at that time, if you were really into a lot of different types of music, you were really cool and girls liked it. So, you know, it was kind of the thing to do, <laughs> but I used to trade. Um, so I would give him like maybe group home or like, um, you know, Gangstar or something. And then I remember when Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music mm. came out and it was it was the dopest it was the dopest thing in the world to me. Because it was something that like my my cousins in Brooklyn couldn't clown me and he because okay now I have a group that's is dope as tribe now right you know what I yeah. mean so yeah. like it it was it was kind of like that like it was poetry I think the greatest thing about Southern Playalistic to me was just like Sleepy Brown's production and, and Rico Wade's production like the or, organized noise as a whole like some of the songs that don't they don't even rap on are like some of the greatest pieces of music in the world like funky ride and like this the uh players ball uh reprise at the end i play that in my dj sets and like people are like oh there was like an r&b players ball i was like no it's just at the end of the record like <laughs> but it's just one of those albums that is uh, uh is perfect it's is it really represents like i think about like even if you were even if you lived in the suburbs right if you were a black kid in the 90s you had to go to certain neighborhoods to get your hair cut you had to go to certain mm. places you know um because you had family on other other sides of town so when it just reminds me of like my uncle that live on that lived on gresham road um, or going to like Greenbrier Mall because you could only get these one type of sneakers. Like you couldn't get it like at at, um, at uh, what North Lake Mall or Gwinnett Place <laughs> Mall, you know, on the east. Like you had to go to to these neighborhoods, and it's just, it just reminds me of the culture of the time, you know. Um, but like the the really soulful Atlanta that like isn't represent. Well, I'm not gonna say that isn't represented. It's not represented enough. I mean, right. in the mainstream, like the way I, f this is this is <laughs> this is a little controversial, but I feel like the way um, Atlanta is, what childish Gambino aside, mm -hmm. the way that Atlanta is uh, presented in the mainstream is kind of monolithic. Like, and those artists are great. I love the futures too. I like that's great gym music to me. I, I like all that type right. of stuff too. But um it seems like the decade like the decade prior, like there was more diversity in the mainstream mm. from this city. Right. You mm. know, I feel like mm. Atlanta doesn't yeah. have its main its its version of Kendrick, really. Right. It doesn't have its you know, it's like places like LA, they're allowed to have multiple sounds in the mainstream as far especially as far as r&b and hip-hop goes but atlanta is i don't know it's not allowed that same opportunity and i don't know why that is but mm -hmm. i just think it's a shame because there's so much incredible um diverse type of sounds coming out of this city
Yeah. And it just doesn't seem to be like, it just doesn't seem to be, we don't have the mainstream equivalent of a Janae Aiko or a, and we're supposed to be the center of the universe musically, right? Right, right. But you're right. Like, like all of Atlanta's representations in like, you know, the Billboard charts is always Migos, Future. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's cool and all. Like you and said, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. But, but you're right. Why can't the other Atlanta artists have their day too? And right. uh, yeah. It's just weird because it didn't start out like that. Right. I think Out yeah. Outkast was different than everyone. Goody right. Mob mm-hmm. was different than everyone. And I think that's what they stood on. And I don't see the lineage of the Southern Playalistic, Goody Mob, Soul Food era, Atlanta hip hop represented today. Yeah. As much as it should be. There's right. gr- like shout out to Earth Gang and like groups like that, you know, but there's n- we just need more of that. Just keep going. So everybody that's doing weird stuff in Atlanta, keep being weird. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do it loud thing. and re- we'll, we'll definitely talk about you and represent you right. and sell you yeah. here in the record store. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, because we all know that Atlanta has an amazing, diverse musical scene. The, the, the artists here, the venues here, the record stores here, it's all great. But you're right. You're right. In the mainstream, not enough. Not not, not a broad not enough, enough spectrum for sure. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting. Uh, you're you're saying you know, do be weird, do weird things. You know, bring it. Kind of philosophy to Atlanta music because actually Jimmy Edgar. I just saw Jimmy Edgar is moving to Atlanta. Oh, there you, you know, go. He's like from Detroit. He does electronic music, and he's like, he's kind of a big deal. I feel like, and well, I think so. I think he's so cool. But right. um. I'm interested to see what happens, you know, when people like Jimmy Edgar moved to town and, you know, now we have Nicky Nair too, and he's been putting out a lot of really amazing um, electronic albums and Mm -hmm. he just moved to Atlanta during the pandemic. So I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen to music in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to grow and change. You know, that's the only, that's the only thing we can definitely count on is change. So that's going to be great, you know? Right. And, and yeah, I think, you know, when we have opportunities like this, we just have to keep reminding people of the greatness we've had, you know. I think, um, like, the SOS band, I mean, is from Atlanta. I mean, Gladys Knight is is from here, you know. So, like, yeah. I mean, James Brown is from Augusta, you know, and Little Richard, you know, is from Macon. So, right. you know, you get, we just, we have, like, the greatest artists of all time from, like, this little area, you know, so... Uh, and we have Deer Hunter too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's true. That's we true. have, I mean, REM. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh huh. I forget about B fifty twos. B fifty twos. I mean, even our transplants yeah. are great. I mean, uh, think about how um, Janelle Monae is represented by Atlanta, it's even true. though she's from Kansas City. You know, things like Absolutely. that. Like people think Atlanta when they think about Janelle Monae. Yeah. Right. I mean, Usher the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. he's from Chatt- Chattanooga. Right. And, um, you know, I think of Atlanta when I think of Usher. I th- Definitely. Lud- Ludacris, the same Sierra. way. Sierra. Sierra, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember, like, growing up and Ludacris was, you know, he was our on our uh, one of our stations. You know, um, our equivalent to, well, it was Hot 97 at the time, but it was like a sister station to the, the actual Hot 97. But it was, um, he was Chris Lover Lover. Uh, and um chris lover lover and poon daddy was the radio show man and there's yeah it was future flavors so they were playing like all like kind of exclusive new rap that was out at the time so 
Yeah, that's when that was when Atlanta was Atlanta, Atlanta. The show. Yeah. I love it. No, that, and that's a great list too. You, you took us all over the yeah. place. I, I feel like we got to learn more about you and your history and your love for Degrassi Junior High. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely grew up on Degrassi too, and uh, those characters are imprinted in my mind. You know. Well, uh, excellent. Well, we wrapped up two lists. We got one more to go. Uh, that'll be mine. So let's take one more break. I'll run around, gather up my records. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll finish this off before we close up. wrapping up the high fidelity game today we're playing love at first listen um tara i think i followed a similar kind of like track for you that, that you followed uh the, the rule i made was that the first time that i heard this album i decided that i was going to follow this artist wherever they would go where like when i heard it i was like oh shit and now i'm your fan i'm gonna follow you like you're gonna go make more records you're gonna go on tour I'm dedicated to you, artist, when, fr- from that first time I heard them. Yeah. So uh, starting with my number five, this is actually a pretty contemporary instance of that. Actually, maybe most of these will be pretty contemporary because that's just, I don't know. Maybe maybe have a short attention span. <laughs> 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 number five, uh, the 2011 album Sleep Talk by Shannon and the Clams. <laughs> So I saw this uh, video posted by Noise Pop. Um, Noise Pop is really cool. They do this really great festival out on the West Coast. And for a while there, they had this amazing podcast that I would listen to every week. I loved it. It was one of my favorites. And they posted this video on YouTube. And it's just the band, Shannon and the Clams, performing in this weird room. I think it was in Oakland, California, where all the walls were like frosted as if they were inside a cake. And it was just really beautiful and really strange. And they were just Hmm. performing this song that had the kind of like a real like doo-wop garage band, you know, surf rock vibe. And I was like, oh, shit, are people doing this again? Like, are are we getting a nice revival of this? (laughs) And of course, very soon after, yes, that there was like, that's right, right when like the big boom of that kicked in. And that one performance I saw in that one video just hooked me immediately and i was like fuck yes you know i'm 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 into you uh both like there's basically two main members shannon shaw and cody blanchard and they both have like their own solo things and they all do stuff but um from that moment on i was like i'm gonna buy all your records i'm gonna see you whenever you come through town i'm gonna do all this stuff and uh they haven't disappointed me once i love 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 shannon and the clams and all the associated acts it was, it's been i feel like yeah times. i feel like you've mentioned them before um and and I still haven't heard them, so I I have to I guess I need to now like I, I must. You, which which album yeah. do we start with? Um, the one I just mentioned, Sleep Talk. That that's Sleep a good talk. way to to start because that's I, I guess I'm I'm biased because that's how I started. That's but, how you um, started. Yeah. Yeah. They they started off extremely lo-fi, extremely garage in their early early days. Like I have a couple of uh, seven inches from them that are close to unlistenable, you know. <laughs> and then <laughs> nice. the further and further they go, they they just start get, 
you know, they get more and more attention, so they get more and more money. And uh, now they're actually on Easy Eye Sound, which is um, Dan Auerbach, the guy from the Black Keys. It's mm. on his record label. They're they're on his record label now. And so they got all kinds of money and bands and fucking studio time and like big, you know, horn sections and all this other cool stuff. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I jumped on at uh, 2011 Sleep Talk. It's an excellent record from an excellent band. Cool. All right, my number four. Uh, this is a 2015 album. It's hard to pronounce, but I'm going to do my best. Asdf, asdf, spelled A-S-D-F, A-S-D-F by Katie Day. Katie Day fucking kills it. Katie Day, um, she has this sound. Remember we were talking earlier about like, when you, you, you talk about King Cruel and you hear mm-hmm. something, you're like, oh, fuck, this is new. I don't hear mm-hmm. new very often. Katie Day was new to me. Um, she had this music video for uh, the first uh, single off Astavastiv called Unkillable. And I, it was on Stereo Gum or something. Who knows? You know, Gorilla versus Bear beats me. And yeah. um, I saw the video and the video was fine. You know, cutesy, just kind of like the kind of thing you do with no budget. But the song, it just sounded brand new to me. The um, In today's world, it's a little less shocking. But at the moment, back in 2011, wait, 2015, back in 2015, you know, forever ago, <laughs> it, it was a brand new sound to me. I think it was my first introduction to that like, kind of like glitchy kind of hyper pop sound. And mm-hmm. there have been lots of artists who have done similar things with it. But I think she does an amazing job even to, to, even to today. I've bought every album she's ever put out follower like uh i don't know like like uh, a puppy dog following its master <laughs> and uh she does a great job really really love her uh, another d- one d- i've never heard of <laughs> it's good stuff it's good stuff um just you know check out the song unkillable by katie day and you're gonna hear some new sounds and it's it hooked me immediately my, my heart huh. just well, had a little fish hook in it from that day cool all right i'm, I'm, I'm just whipping through these my number three get ready it's the 2002 album Garfield by Adam Green. No one's gonna ask your name when you fade into How could anybody maybe baby? So here's the little story about this one. Um, I was on my way to a Badly Drawn Boy concert, and um, I was really excited. Uh, me and my friend, we rolled in, a, I'd say a little bit late because, um, the opening act was already on the stage performing. Uh, I love a good opening act, so I prefer not to miss any of it, but you know, who knows what was happening at the time. So we came in, he was already on stage, already performing, and he was singing this song about like, who knows what, and it was all really strange and the words were off, but it was just like this one really young looking kid sitting on a bar stool with his like beat up acoustic guitar. And I remember as soon as I like got into the crowd and I was settled and I was listening to him, the first lyrics I heard him say in a very like cutesy, folky, like low-key way was, I'm going to dig up Megan and cut out my son. And I was like, what the fuck did I just walk into? Like, what, what is this? And he kept going and he had just the strangest songs. All of his lyrics were really odd, but his like melodies were really strong. And he was super low key, but like, I, I, I wasn't sure what was happening. So anyway, like whenever I'm like enticed by something, of course, I want to hear more. So I go up to his little merch table and I, I buy the CD and then, um, you know, whatever. It's time for Badly Drawn Boy. I'll think about this later. So then um, 
the next morning, I was staying at my friend's house, and uh, she had to go off and like go to work or something the next morning. And um, she was like, oh, before I go, can I rip that CD from you? Um, you know, I want to listen to it later. And I was like, oh, absolutely. So she just like pops it in her, like whatever, her iMac or whatever it was there in 2002. And um, as she's ripping the CD, we're listening to track one, and it was so lo-fi and like this weird, <sighs> I want to say not since... Daniel Johnston had I heard something so appealingly lo-fi and I was wowed by it and it automatically reminded me of things and it was familiar but brand new and it was just so dirty and experimental but also like the songwriting was so solid really won me over Hmm. and then quickly I realized that oh that's that guy from the moldy peaches and that's when I was like this is all coming together in my head now you're him. That's that. This is a, that other band that I've heard of before. That's why that sounds that way. And it all came together for me. But since that yeah. first time seeing him performing, uh, opening for Badly Drawn Boy, I have bought every album he's ever put out, gone to every show. Follow that guy. He's he's the greatest. Yeah. And this is another one I've never heard of, but I have heard the Moldy Peaches. So yeah. It's That's interesting because cool. eventually too, to... he became this like croonery dude and he like started doing this like big band sound and it's, it's wild. What? He, he's done so much over his career. He, he's made wow. two films, um, like with both on his cell phone. Uh, anyway, what? He, he's wow. a wild dude, Adam Green. And he's, he's huge in Europe, which always, uh, surprises me that Europe is that, um, open-minded to accept things that Americans aren't, you know what I mean? <laughs> So when he was in crooner mode, did the lyrics stay the same? Like lyrical content? Yes. They were still really <laughs> wild and fucked up. Like, um, yeah, he, 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 he's always been very strange. And I think honestly, as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little less strange for like the last two or three albums. But, uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's a weird dude. And it's, um, it's jarring to hear a lot of his lyrics, especially his early stuff when he's like literally huh. a kid. But uh, it's interesting. interesting. It's actually kind of in the same way that like Odd Future, when you listen to like anything from that crew in their early days, mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, kids, <laughs> whoa, maybe we yeah. shouldn't be talking about this. What do you say? Huh? But but it's something. It's something, you know, like I, I, I'm i not here to tell anyone what they can and can't say, but um, sometimes words are very jarring, even if they aren't technically like offensive. You just feel like they just kind of punched you in the face a little bit, you know? Right. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I, I'm even more compelled to listen to right. him uh, <laughs> because yeah, I, of the I, I recommend uh, I recommend his first two albums, especially because his first album, Garfield, like I said, lo-fi as hell, him in a bedroom, just doing whatever he can do. His follow-up album, Friends of Mine, he went into the studio, he got a string section, he started getting horns in there. Like, like he, he, he polished. His leap was enormous from his first album to his second album, and that's just fun to hear, too. So, anyway. Nice. That's my number three. I mean, and he opened for Badly John Boy, so, like, maybe they're buddies, maybe Badly John Boy knows what's up, too, and he's yeah. like, I love this guy's music, he's got to open for me on tour. I love Badly John Boy, so I am convinced. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, all right, my next one, number two. All right, I'm going to bring up some, some, some memories. I'm not sure if y'all will share with me, but here we go. It's the 2017 album, Jardine, by Gabrielle Garzan Montano. No, we can't find a way back home. Did y'all ever listen to this album? No. 
you're. I have no idea. Who so that is. I, feel, I feel like such a poser right now. No, man. y'all are so, I feel so lucky. lame. No, <laughs> you guys are so so lucky because you're gonna get to listen to this album for the first time, and you're wow, gonna all of these. You're gonna be so happy. You're seriously gonna be so happy. Jardine, J A R D I with a little accent on it, mm-hmm. N, and Gabrielle Garzon Montano. Here's how I came across him. All right. Do you guys remember a thing called Drip.fm? Do you guys remember that? No. Oh my gosh. Drip.fm was so short-lived, but so great. It was the first um, service where you could subscribe to an artist and then you would get sent stuff regularly. Kind of like they do on Bandcamp these days or Kickstarter or um, Patreon. Patreon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drip.fm was eventually bought by Kickstarter. So now it's like, who knows what it is now? It's nothing. But back in the day... Uh, Stone's Throw was absolutely my favorite label. Probably still is. It's it's up there. Stone's Throw just puts out amazing shit. They're always trying something new, always introduce like quality is first and foremost with them, you know? And Mm -hmm. so um, through Drip FM, one day I was, because I subscribed to Stone's Throw, I just received this album, Jardine by Gabriel Garzon Montano. And I didn't know anything about it. I just popped it on and holy fucking shit, the quality the lack of gimmicks. There, there's nothing gimmicky about this dude. He's just a guy that writes an amazing song, sings his fucking ass off, and his his little his little earworms get get just hooked in your brain forever. Like yeah. like the the musical quality is so high that he released an instrumental version of his just like pure R and B album. Like that that's how good the the album is musically that he doesn't even need to sing on it for it to be that good. And then, of course, so he's, he's a great kinda, singer, so it's even better. So he's kind of R&B or like... I, I would call him R&B, but he also experiments quite a bit. On his mm-hmm. latest album, I would say it's kind of more hip-hop than R&B, but he hmm. ducks into R&B sometimes, too. Anyway, he, he's an awesome dude. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it, and I'm so happy that you're going to get to listen to this for the first time because I wish I could go back. It's so good. You know, way back in the time machine to 2017. Whoa! <laughs> That's not that far away. <laughs> Forever <It's> ago. So <laughs> funny. <laughs> His album cover looks familiar, so I, I think, uh, I think I've at least seen this before. There you I've go. Le- I've at least seen it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's he's an awesome dude. And, he, and he, yeah, there's he, so many like great records on Stone's Throw. Um, so yeah, man, I, I'm damn. I'm sorry, I missed this one. Oh no, but no, now you're happy because now you get yeah. to enjoy it now. And he's still pretty early on in his career. The dude's got one EP and two LPs, and it's all great. It's all great. So it's good stuff. I'm gonna check it out. Y'all ready for number one? I don't know. Yeah. Drum roll. <laughs> I, I I feel bad because now I feel like I'm just throwing these obscure things at you because it's not going to stop. Here's number one. <laughs> number one uh, is the 2004 album The Folded Palm by Frog Eyes. My wife put me onto this, and I'm so grateful <laughs> to it. Uh, so this is back when we were uh, dating. Um, I was living in Portland. She was living in Los Angeles. And of course, whenever I'd come visit her in Los Angeles, the number one thing that I would do 
is we would go to Amoeba Records, of course. Like that was my mecca. I mean, I but back when I lived in Los Angeles, holy shit, I would go there weekly, obviously, because why wouldn't you? You know, if you right. if you have access to the world's greatest record store and you're not going on a weekly basis, you're wasting your life, you know? So um anyway, <laughs> that's just my rant about Amoeba <laughs> Records. But um back then, uh so I was just visiting, and of course we'd make the run there and do our thing. And very early on in our relationship, my wife was like, oh, hey, you know Frog Eyes, right? And I'm like, I think maybe I've heard of them. And she's like, oh, if you don't know, you haven't heard Frog Eyes. And she puts in the folded palm. And again, it's that new sound. When I fall in love at first listen with something, usually it's because I'm hearing something I've never heard before. And that Carrie Mercer, he's the lead singer, his voice is so fucking yowly and screechy. And I feel like he's just like jumping octaves all over the place. And it's just noisy and weird. It's kind of like if Modest Mouse was 10 times weirder. That's what Frog Eyes sounds like. That would be Captain Jazz. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> Captain Jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's it's just been amazing. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know how it all worked out, but years later, after maybe like two or three, maybe four more albums, Carrie Mercer got throat cancer, so he had to stop singing. Aww. But then I think he got a little bit better, and he put out two last albums. But he's officially ended Frog Eyes. But um, Carrie Mercer is also famous in my eyes, because he was roommates with Spencer Krug from Wolf Parade, and they had that band together called Sunset Rubdown. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. Actually, Swan... maybe he was in Sunset Rubdown too, but they were in Swan Lake. Swan Lake. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, I, I looked I looked it up on my device in the store, and yeah, I was like, oh, there's the connect there. Mm, Seth's mm-hmm. a big Spencer Krug fan. Yes, most definitely. And uh, I'm sorry for hitting you guys with so many obscure little nothings, no. but I'm 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 happy that you guys get to experience all these things fresh. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's I wish I could have contributed more to the conversation, um, but I am excited to listen to them all. So that's a that's a bonus totally. for sure. Totally, totally. Well, uh, unfortunately, I, I've been blathering on about uh, my stuff that I think we have to actually start wrapping up the store and, and closing down. But the last thing we got to do here is uh, throw something up on the employee recommendation shelf. Um, Mine's actually really easy, so I'll go first. I love this new magazine called Maggot Brain. Maggot Brain is the fucking coolest. It's a quarterly music magazine, and um, Third Man Records publishes it, I believe, through their Third Man Books wing or whatever and it's published um like the like the main guy the the editor in charge is this guy named mike mcgonigal and uh, he does an amazing job makes tons of great recommendations picks the articles really well but here's like the weird thing i really dig about it like why does anyone need a magazine anymore right like you can just read whatever you want online do your thing the thing i love about this is that it is very blatantly not online. It has literally zero online presence. There's no website, there's no mm-hmm. there's no social media pages. You it's it's basically it, it doesn't exist online. You have to go out and get yourself a physical copy of this magazine. And it's just got a bunch of fascinating features. Like for example, there's like here here's a great example of the kind of things they do. They will track down vintage zines from like the 70s to, to like the 90s, and they'll have a feature where they'll just like Xerox a zine and put that in their magazine. 
where it's just like, hey, here's something cool that you probably missed. Or um, anyway, anyway, I, I could go on and on. Huh. But it's been forever since I've fallen in love with a music magazine. Like, I mean, yeah. I, 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 the last one I truly loved was probably like Devil in the Woods. And that was like 2001, you know? So uh, anyway, long story short, if you want some great new music recommendations in your life, I recommend you go get Maggot Brain. Because every issue I read, I find at least three or four new artists I've never heard of that I'm really happy to go check out. Wait, so if you can't find it any like online, how did you get it? I subscribe like, where to do you it, get it through if if you go to Third Man Records like online store, you can oh, subscribe okay. to it through their online store. Oh, gotcha. But uh but that's you can only subscribe to a physical paper version. And and I also yeah. know that if you go to like, you know, if if you have a, a nice uh magazine section at your local bookstore, they'll have it in the music section, that kind hmm. of thing. Cool. Yeah. Tara, how about you? What you want to put up on the employee recommendation shelf? Um, I heard an album today that I really enjoyed, and it's by um, an artist called Moses Boyd, and the album is called Dark Matter. It's a, um, a British, he's like British jazz guy. It's super jazzy. It's awesome. Highly recommend. Came out last year. February. I love it. I've been into jazz a lot lately. <laughs> I, I feel like jazz has been like your almost like soothing balm yeah. throughout the last yeah. year or so. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, don't give me any words or too much to think about. Just give me music, sound, jazz, jazz in the spot. I follow you. Uh, uh, Jeremy, I know you don't work here, but uh, you want to throw something up there? Is there anything you've been digging on lately? Anything you've been liking? Um, yeah, man, uh, I would definitely say I've, I was on a jazz kick this summer as well, you know, uh, listening to like, um, Max Roach and, and weird stuff like that. Um, a lot of sun and sun rock. Mm. Um, nice. Space is the place. If you could, I think they... Uh, you might be able to watch the movie somewhere on the internet. I don't know where, <laughs> but if you can, you should watch it. It's a um, definitely a classic, crazy '70s sci-fi black exploitation, um, c- crazy film. Cool. <laughs> you, should, you should just watch it because it's cool. Sunrise, space is the place. The movie. Nice. Love it. Great recommendation. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, that's that's it for us. We got to lock up the store. We got to sweep the floor, do our thing. But uh, thanks for coming in today, everyone here who's listening to us. And of, of course, especially you, Jeremy Avalon. Thank you for coming in. We uh, yeah, appreciate all you. your recommendations. And um, I, I get to look up some cool new stuff now, which I'm, I'm always happy about. And um, yeah, anytime, man. Like if, if you ever feel like stopping by, we, 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 we welcome you with open arms. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I, I could talk about this all day, as you could tell. Pretty long-winded when it comes to the vine. That's what we want. <laughs> uh, but for now, the store is officially closed. So uh, happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.
Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.